just want to pray before I get started. Father, God, we just honor you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come this morning and, and speak, Father. Use my voice to speak what you want to say this morning, Father. And anything that I say that's not of you, won't you let it just fall to the ground, Lord? Come and teach us this morning. Come and show us who you are. That's the very reason we gather. We gather not for fancy lights or because it's something to do. We gather to seek your face, oh God. We love you and we honor you and we keep our focus on you. And in your beautiful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I want to, we've, as most of you will have known, we've been on a bit of a um, journey into some of the, the prophetic. And I wanted to just take a pause at the moment to highlight some of the gifts in the scriptures and just sort of take a moment to um, take my slide away. It'll give away what I'm saying. I want to, <laughs> I want to um, take some time just to go through some of what we see in the Scriptures so that we can start to understand the difference of gifts that move throughout the house and start to really build somewhat of a foundation as to what God has done in the genius of His church. This is going to be a very, very small scratch of the surface, but what I want it to do is allow us to open and see how the gifts can operate and move within a house. That way when we start to see it happen, we can start to highlight, okay, that's what God is doing in this. Is that okay? So I, this is a very, very big topic. I sat down to, to write out some of my thoughts and I went through an old booklet that um, we had ab about the gifts and there's so much there that I, I do want to do a series or, or do a course on the gifts, but I really just want to highlight what we see in the Scriptures and a few other things that I felt God was sort of speaking me through this week. There's, and there's two reasons for that. I want us to understand the difference in gifts throughout the body so that we can start to look at what God's put inside of each of us and that can actually start to come out and operate within this house. Secondly to that, I want us to understand the fact that it's, this is not Jess and I and what Jess and I are doing. That God has given us all gifts and abilities to actually operate within the house. So there's two things that, that I want us to see. You have a gift and God's calling it out and giving it to you, but also that we are a body who's designed to actually do a task that God's asked us to do. Is that okay? I heard something during the week. I listened to a lot of different podcasts. I've started going back to the gym, and if you know me, I hate the gym with a fiery passion, but I go because I'm not one of those guys who like walks in chirpy. I like to drag myself in there. And I, I had a, a gym buddy who said to me once, all you have to do is touch the back wall. Just get in there and touch the back wall. Once you touch the back wall, you'll be happy to do what you've got to do. So that's what I do. I get in there, I touch it, I'm angry, I don't talk to anybody on the way in, headphones, just get to my zone. But I've started listening to podcasts while I'm at the gym because it keeps my brain active and it allows me to think through stuff while I'm doing the mundane weightlifting that I don't enjoy. And I heard something during the week that really challenged me to want to speak about because it was from a person who I really enjoy, a drummer, one of the drummers that I watched as a kid who was a Christian guy and he, a lot of how I learned how to play the drums, I learned from watching his videos and, and listening to the style that he played in. And he recently decided that he's no longer a Christian. And he was on this podcast explaining to a couple of guys as to why that was. And one of the things that he said, he said, 
I struggled in the church with the fact that man is always a conduit to God. So he's talking about the fact that in a lot of what he saw, you always had to go to man in order to hear what he was saying, who would then allow you to go to God. And it got me really thinking because he came up in a charismatic church. It wasn't a, um, a, a more reformed type Catholic church where there is that sort of picture where you have to go to the priest in order to receive the things from God. But he, he started to express the fact that that is actually in the church that we see today in our contemporary, contemporary Western church. And it got me thinking to the fact that he's actually right. There's so much of, of the church that we see where it's all about the guy who stands at the front and preaches a sermon. And something I, I, I get in trouble all the time because I quote Francis Tran quite a lot, but I like Francis Chen. But he left his megachurch for that very reason, was that he said, I cannot fathom the fact that all these people just come to hear my gift when God has so much in them that hasn't been unlocked. And he walked away from a church of thousands. And it got me thinking, and I thought, you know, that's something that we need to wrestle as we build this church, that Jess and I are not the conduit that you come to get God. Sunday morning is not the conduit that you come to see God. It is a tool to come and be with a body of believers to worship God. But it's not the tool. We have to get ourselves out of a place where we go, man, I'm feeling down. I want to get there on Sunday so that I can worship God. Because that's not what we see the Scriptures. That's not what Paul was telling the Galatians. He was saying to them, you've got everything that God's going to give you now. You can have it on your own. You don't have to come to be a part of this thing that we're doing in order to actually get what you think you need to get because God's coming to you now. You know, one of the things before the church reformation was that they, they took the scriptures and they had them in a language, Latin, I think, yeah, Latin, so that nobody else could understand what was being said. So the only person who could understand was the clever guy at the front who, was read, who could read Latin. So then the people had to come and, and sit on the edge of their chair to say, please, would you tell us about this God? But what happened in the, in the Reformation was that there was a breakdown of all of that where they said, no, hang on a minute, we all have the option to come to, come to the Father just as much as the guy at the front does. And what we start to see is we start to see then a generation that rise up to go, I love you, brother, but I don't need you to see God. When Paul was preaching, Paul didn't preach the gospel of Paul. He preached the gospel of Jesus. It was Jesus that he was pointing to. When Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, he wasn't saying, I'm the, I'm the big guy, the man of the hour. If you, can, if you can just come to me, he's saying, man, I'm doing my best, but I just want you to see Jesus. If that means you have to follow me in order that I can step aside and you can see Jesus, then I'll do that. But the point, the fact of the matter was that it was Jesus that he was preaching all the time. Even when he was in prison and he got to the point where the... There was guys rallying up to sort of fight back against the Romans. And he said, that's not what it's about. Don't come and fight for me. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a nobody. Paul, to the Corinthians, calls himself a scum, the bottom of the bottom, because it was never about him. It was about Jesus. And what pains me to see is when I see guys reading texts, and it's that person who becomes their Jesus. 
Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't read anything outside of the Bible. Of course, do that. Of course, be listening to sermons. Of course, be, be coming along and being a part of what we're saying. But if that person is not pointing to Jesus, something is wrong. If that person is saying to you, all you've got to do is come to my class, read my book, see the things that I'm saying, something is terribly wrong with that. And you've got to see that for what it is. Now, I don't think we go and you've got to go into your room and close the door and say, God, are you? is this guy showing me who you really are? And I, I genuinely hope you guys do that with me. I hope that on a Sunday afternoon, you are driving home saying, God, show me who you are from what he said. You can trust somebody and you can, you can allow that trust to start to, to build and get them to a place. But if they're not directly always pointing you back to Jesus, they're pointing you to something else. And anything that's not the kingdom of God is the kingdom of, of, of not God. <laughs> I read a lot of different authors, a lot. Again, reading is not one of those things I thoroughly enjoy. I have to force myself to do it. But I try to read across the board. But I'm always taking, there's a, there's a guy I'm reading at the moment. It's the most phenomenal book that I've picked up about the kingdom and the Christian faith. It is mind-changing to the point that there's times where I'll read and I'll go, I don't think the Bible says that. And I'll put the book down, I'll go to the Bible and I'm like, flip, the Bible does say that. That's, he's directly got that from the scriptures. But I always have to go back to the scriptures. It doesn't matter how mind-boggling the revelation is. I have to go back and say, God, show me this. Because then it becomes my revelation. It becomes the things that I've got from God, that God's directly shown me. It's not, hey, this is what Mark thinks. And then if I get stuck in a rut, I've got to say, oh, I'll bring Mark along because he'll help you understand it. I don't know if I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because I can. I was at a... At a music festival, and my uh, a band I was in was playing, and it was a Christian um, Easter fest. If you guys know what Easter fest is, it was like a Christian festival, and there was a few of us um, at a campsite. I think we were sitting around a campsite, and we're just chatting. And one of the girls there said, "Hey, the guy who's preaching tomorrow, do you, does any of you guys know him?" And I was like, "Oh, no, I've never heard of him before. I'm pretty keen to hear him." And, and they said. She said, oh, so none of you know him. You don't know what he preaches like? And I said, no, why? And she said, well, I want to bring my unsaved friend, but I know they'll only come to one. So I've really got to make sure it's a good preacher that's on so that if I bring my unsaved friend, they will lead them to God. I was like, jeepers, really? I, I, I remember being shocked and I was probably not tactful and probably rude and I, I was awful. But I said, isn't it your job to lead her to God? Why does somebody else have to do it? And he said, no, well, I haven't. I don't know that I've got the ability or the gift to, to do that. So I just want to bring them. And I thought, but they're your friend. They trust you. You're the picture of God that they're seeing, not the guy. The guy on the stage, I'm not saying that that can't happen. The Holy Spirit moves and I've seen incredible things happen through one preacher. That's not the point. The point is that God's given something to you and he's given you a job to do. So when we try and negate that and say, I'll bring my friends to church, bring your friends to church, but they better know about Jesus before they come through the door because you should have told them before they got here. Another thing that we've, I saw chatting through the week, I was chatting with a friend and, and we were discussing about whether or not a gift 
is born in somebody or developed in somebody? And I have a bit of a diplomatic answer because I think it's both. I think a gift is both born in somebody and God calls that out in somebody, but it's also developed. There's also a job for us to do to strengthen that gift. It has to be. You look at some of the most incredible sports stars or musicians, Michael Jordan or some of the other guys, they didn't just wake up one morning and go, I've got this ability. They worked at it, they developed it, they pressed into it and and they became something. But we also see that incredibly in the scriptures. It it says that, that God knew us before we were in our mother's womb. It knows us before our creation, the hairs on our head. You don't think that he knows what he created you with? Of course, there's a gift being created in there. He knew what Moses was capable before he called Moses. But Moses didn't know. So God calls Moses in Egypt and says, Moses, come come and lead your people, my people, sorry, come and lead my people out of Egypt into the promised land. And Moses has a decision to make. Do I run into God or do I run from God? And he chooses to run from God. He runs out to the land of Midian and he tries to hide. And then God blindsides him in a bush. But see, we, we have the same thing. God's put something in you and you get to decide, God, do I want to actually run into you with this thing or run away from you? It's the same thing Jonah did. Jonah had a decision to make. Jonah, I've given you a gift, an ability. You can either develop it with me and use it for what it's meant to be used for or you can run from it. And I promise it's not going to be good for you. Moses goes, sees the bush, says to God, I preached about this before, but he says to God, I can't do it. I don't have a, a good enough speaking voice. We see from the scriptures and, and, and other um, historians have argued the fact that they believe that Moses had a stutter, that that's why he couldn't speak. He, he carries some, some sort of harsh speech impediment. So Moses asked God, God, can I have Aaron? Can he come with me? And God says to him, okay, you can have Aaron. Aaron can be your mouthpiece. I'll talk to you, Moses. Moses, you tell Aaron what to say. They go into the promised le- uh, into Egypt. Aaron speaks to the Pharaoh, speaks to most of the guys. But the interesting thing is that when they come out of that place, when they come to the Mount Sinai, we see God speak to Moses, and Moses speaks to the people of Israel. He doesn't ask Aaron to speak. Why? Because he developed his gift as he started to see God move to the point where he got to the very place with God, and then he said, Aaron, I don't need you anymore. God's shown me who I am. I know who I am. And he developed that gift. You see, God has put something in you and he believes in it more than you do. He actually knows who you are and what, what he's promised you to be before you do, but it's the struggle of faith that we have to wrestle with God and say, God, am I really this person you've told me I am? And then once we realize that, he says, okay, now I want you to develop it. When I first started preaching, I remember sitting in my room saying to God, God, I cannot do this. I don't have the ability to do this. But God never allowed me to stay in that place. He continued to give me a gentle kick up the bum into a place where I was given opportunities to speak that developed my ability to speak. To the point that I was speaking when I went when we were on a tour type thing with Easter Fest the lady who was running the tour asked me to speak at every venue we went to. And it was quite incredible that God opened the doors that each night was more people and more people and more people and more people. Until the last night, I had to speak in my hometown 
I was telling her a testimony of my mum. I had to speak in my hometown and with my mum there and the most people that we had spoken to the whole time. You see, God didn't allow me to stay in a place where my gift wasn't being utilized. I kept saying to him, I want to see you, God. I want to see you. I want to see what you have. He says, then walk with me. Walk with me in it. And I'll walk you into your destiny to what I have for you. But if we don't walk into it, God will never develop it in us because we've chosen to stay where we are. See, we've actually got to make the choice to say, yes, God, I will go and speak to that person. I will go and do that thing that I've asked you to do. All of us have a Moses moment where we, where we think to ourselves, I'm not good enough for this. God, give me, give me an Aaron. But the trick is, is we must never stay with that Aaron. We must move on from that and grow out of that into the fullness of what God has for me. Is that okay? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust on God, not on your own understanding. In, your, in all your ways acknowledge him. The reason for that is when we get caught in ourself, we think the wrong things. When we get caught in God, we think the things God wants us to think. We think and see who he is. We act the way he is because we're coming from a place of him, not from a place of ourselves. That's why Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Renew your mind to what God has for you and thinks of you. We're going to preach in a few weeks. We're going to do a little bit of a um, a four-week back-to-back and keeping on in line with what Edie started in, in terms of spiritual warfare and understanding some of the spiritual dynamics. And you know, one of the biggest things that comes against us is our thoughts, our own thoughts, what we think of ourselves, our perceptions of what we think is real. I spoke a few weeks ago um, in our Nehemiah series about the letter that Sambalat sent to Nehemiah. All that was attacking the way that people saw Nehemiah and the way that he saw himself. That's because when our mind gets caught in our flesh and who we are and not who we're meant to be, we get caught up in thoughts that aren't ours and that aren't good. Okay. Does my clicker work, Josh? Yes. Well done, Brando. Brando made these slides for me this morning at last minute. Look at the bubbles. Look how fancy they are. They're beautiful. I asked him for words on a plank sheet and I got bubbles. It's fantastic. If you've got a Bible with me, go to Ephesians 4, verse 7. Ephesians 4, verse 7. It's the 10th book in the New Testament. If you're flipping through. Uh, I'm reading out of the ESV, good old trusty version. In my opinion, it's the trusty version. (laughs) Got a thumbs up from Mark, I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 7. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of, of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended from far above the heavens 
that he may fit all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the building up of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. Have we reached the stature and the fullness of Christ? No. So until that time, these gifts are still in play. Can we agree on that? Can we have a, a, an amen for that? Okay. The reason I say that is because some guys will, some positions will argue that this isn't the case, that there are some of these gifts that were laid to finish. In this house, we do not believe that. I can't see that scripturally. It doesn't make sense anywhere. I've spent a lot of time looking for that. I cannot find it. But I do see here that it says, until the fullness of Christ has been attained, the full stature of Christ, which in my understanding of the scriptures means that when Christ comes again, will be the fullness of Christ and these gifts will no longer be needed. But for the time being, for now, these gifts are needed. So the five gifts that we see are the five gifts that you see on the, on the board. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. A lot of the church has been built around the teacher and the pastor. This very reason is the reason I don't like being called Pastor Ben. Because I am still outworking my gift. I think I see what God has in me and what I see, what I see expressed. But when people call me a pastor, there's a level there that I have to try and attain to. That if God isn't operating in me as a pastor and you call me a pastor, I then have to obtain to that gift that sometimes I can't obtain to. Sometimes being a pastor is incredibly difficult. And the reason that I ask for grace in that is that if I'm not pastoring you, then please don't call me a pastor. Now, in this house, I pastor this house. A part of what God's given me, we are pastoring people. But when I go outside of this house to another meeting and they call me Pastor Ben, I struggle with that because then I have to try and be a pastor to the guys that are out there. Now, yes, I know there's a bit of semantics around that and that's not what they're really saying and yada, yada. But for me, the language of that is important. I just like to be called Ben. Now, I understand the honor. Guys want to honor me. I get that. I do. And I, that's why I don't get upset. I just say, hey, we're friends, you know. Now, in that, though, I still there's an, an authority that gets carried as an elder of a church or a church leader. That's why I like to say leadership meetings because these gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts, can actually come in to lead the church that's not just a pastor. A part of what you've been seeing coming from the pulpit and the reason that you see different guys preach differently is because they're operating out of a gift. I'm going to come back to this, this slide. I'm going to move on to the next verse. Go with me to Romans 12, 6, verse 8. I know it's a bit all over the shop, but I want, to, I want to just break something down for us so that we can start to see the difference in gifts outworking. Uh, what did I say? 6 verse 8. Romans 12, 6 verse 8. For as in one body we have many members, as the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members and members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. 
Let us use them if prophesy in portion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So some of the, some of the attributes to these gifts, to the motivational gifts, are what we see on the board from this verse in Romans 12.6. We see that there's, there's a different level of gift. Okay, I'm going to explain them all together so that I can show you all. Go to the last verse for me, 1 Corinthians 12. One Corinthians twelve seven verse eleven. Gosh, imagine if we had it up there. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To other by faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So I've shown you now three types of gifts that we see throughout the scriptures. There's three areas that we see of gifts. So when someone says it's the gift that he carries, we have to understand that there is a breakdown of of a different type of the gifts. The first one that I showed you was the ministry gifts, commonly known as the five-fold ministry gifts. The five-fold is what you'll hear it called as because it's the five areas of the church that God has given, according to Ephesians 4, for the building up of the body. Okay, These offices of ministry are given into the church. So the way that we see them at the moment is this is a very, very big thing. We believed that Mike Eltringham carried the gift of an apostle, right? This first gift that we see outlined, the, the ministry gift of an apostle. We believe that that Paul carries a a coupled gift, the, the apostle and the prophet. So when they come in, we receive them in that gift, but they're coming in to help build the church. So when we say we're partnering with somebody and we allow their gift to come in, this is what we mean, that they come in. Paul says that, uh, Paul the apostle says, I'm poured out like a drink offering on your sacrifice. So he's talking about my gift I give to the body of Christ in order to see the fulfillment of the body come into what it's supposed to do. Is that okay? Does that make sense? So in the same place we see a prophet. So when we bring Adam in, we recognize the gift that he carries as a prophet. He comes in as a drink offering poured out on our sacrifice to help us build what we're building. One of the things a five-fold gift brings into the house when they come is an ignition of the other gifts in the house. So you'll notice that when Paul came a few weeks ago, uh, sorry, when Adam came a few, Adam and Adrian came a few weeks ago, there was guys who haven't really seen God in that way, started to see different things. We, we saw areas of that, guys who got words who had never seen that happen before, who had dreamt dreams, who hadn't really dreamt before. That's because the gift that they carry that God's got in them starts to stir the gift that God has in you. Does that make sense? Am I confusing? Everyone looks like they've got blank faces. Give us a smile, half a, half a nod. 
A woo! Give us one of those if you got one. Fantastic. I know this is very practical. I know it's not exciting. It's not jazzy. I'm not pumped up. I just, I want to paint a picture so when we start to see the gifts come in and we start to see different gifts come from the pulpit, we can start to go, wow, man, that's unlocking something that I haven't seen before. When Dave Barsh stands up here and preach, preaches, I want to run out to the streets and start getting people saved. I feel like I feel like I've just got the biggest hug from dad and I've been told I'm the biggest legend and I can never do anything wrong. Because Dave operates in a gift of in a gift, in my opinion, he might disagree with this, but I'm sure other guys have seen it, but he operates in this this motivational gift of encouragement and exhortation. Because he motivates you. When you when you see Dave and you chat with him, it's hard to walk away from that feeling glum. Because a part of who he is bleeds onto you and you're like, man, I feel good. I feel pumped up because he's operating out of the middle gift, the motivational gift, which I'll talk on now, which God places in us in that beginning. That before I knew you, God had given, has given us gifts that lay aside in us. You start to understand when you're seeing somebody, when you go to um, like a basketball game, I play on Friday nights, I play a pickup basketball game and Sean goes and you watch Sean out of nowhere leads the whole the whole thing he's telling guys where to go you come over here you stay over there he's organizing all the ducks and getting them in the row because in Sean God has placed a leadership gift that's why you see some guys in business who they just know how to lead they know what to do they know where to call stuff out because God's given that to them and in the house in this house we want to start to pull that gift out and, like Moses, start to grow that and step into that so God can start to make things happen the way he's designed for them to happen with you. The last one we see there is a manifestation gift. The manifestation gifts are temporarily given to the body in order to see God. So you'll see there, you'll notice something very interesting, which as I was putting this together, it kind of, I fell off my chair. But you see there that there's a prophetic understanding, there's a prophetic gift in every one of these three areas. So someone comes into your church, they're praying, they're in the middle of worship, they get a word of knowledge for somebody and they go over and say, hey, I really feel like you've got a sore back and I pray for them and God heals them and then all of a sudden they become a prophet. And then they might go and start a ministry and now they're Prophet Bill and Prophet Bill is a prophet because of the word he got in a service. But that doesn't make him a prophet. That doesn't make him a five-fold ministry prophet ordained by God to go and to prophesy. It makes him one of two things. Either he has a motivational gift where inside that there is a, a level of, of prophecy. Sorry, you guys don't have it on that slide. It's okay, it's my fault. But the top one on that slide I have in my notes, is prophetic and perception. So being able to see the prophetic and operate in a perception of God's understanding, which is in that middle motivation, which isn't there. That's why you guys are looking at that. So there's a prophetic element in all of them. But just because somebody comes in, they might be operating in in the manifestation of God, the Spirit of God's on the meeting and he's speaking to people and he's one of the persons he speaks to and shows a word of knowledge and now all of a sudden he's a prophet. No, that's not how it works. God used him in that moment. Can that be developed into a gift of prophecy? Possibly, if that's what's in him. But what we tend to do is we tend to make people into something that potentially they're not. And what happens is is that it hurts that person, but it hurts the greater body of Christ. 
because they're not carrying something that we've put on them. So when someone comes to the pulpit and they do a good teaching message, that doesn't instantly mean they're a teacher. And we can't categorize them like that. Because what happens is, is we hurt them and we hurt the body. Is that okay? We, we once did, I was in a church and we did, I didn't do it, I was a part of the, the, um, the people listening, and they did a, a gifts course. And at the end of the gifts course, there was a, a group of guys who went away and they decided to, to name everybody what gift they carried. Okay, you're going to be the prophet, you're going to be the evangelist, you're going to be the apostle. And what happened was, was it actually brought those guys into disarray because they weren't carrying the mantle that they were told they should be carrying. And it's hurtful. The beautiful thing about Mike that I, I, I loved when, when we would bring him in and we would see him come is that Mike was so humble. When, when Jesus talks on the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about uh, one of the Beatitudes is, is meekness. And you don't really understand meekness until you see it in somebody. It's like this incredible, humble, it's all about God, but I know he's using me type thing. And Mike carried this in the way that he would never have said he was a fivefold. Sorry. <clears throat> he would have never have said he was a fivefold gifted apostle, but he was. It's what he carried. It's what the church saw on him. So when we see that operating in the body, the thing for us is we're going, God, I want to see that in your house. Why? Because it's the fullness of the gifts you've given to us to allow to see the, the, the body of Christ rise up to what it has. I'm very careful with, with having guys come in, especially guys who are on a circuit because it's not what God is doing in this. When a fivefold gift comes into the house, they come, they come in to establish and to build something. Yes? With the fivefold ministry, like the office of an apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist, it is always recognized by the body of Christ. It's never something that you promote yourself in. It's recognized by others who see, the, like Ben saw that gift in Mike. He, Mike didn't see it, but others saw it, and that's, how, and that's how they are recognized. So when we see the scriptures say that to, to build the church on the foundation of the apostle and the prophet, it's this gift that that verse is talking about, the ministry gift. It's not necessarily talking about the manifestation on building the church on a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is phenomenal and it's helpful in the body, but it doesn't mean a fivefold gifted prophet in the house. Is that okay? I'm going to round this up at the end. It's going to make sense, I hope. Is there on that one? Okay, there was a there was another um, element to the motivational gifts, and it was tongues and communication. And it was also in the bottom in the manifestation gifts. Something we have to understand about tongues as well is that the, the scriptures talk about tongues as being a gift given, but it's also it's it's in that as a motivational gift as well. It's a gift, it's a gift given in the beginning, but it is also a manifestation gift. I've been in, in a meeting, I was in a meeting um, in my hometown, and a lady got up on the microphone and she spoke in tongues and Nothing happened. It wasn't amazing at all. It just she got up and she spoke in tongues. At the end of the meeting, there was a lady in the meeting 
who understood exactly what she said because she spoke in another language, Norwegian or something. And that lady spoke the language. And it, it spoke directly to who she was because no one else could understand what was going on. We see that as, a, as a, a manifestation of the power of God speaking to both the lady and the lady who went forward and gave the tongue. But we also see it as a motivational gift of communication because it's a spiritual language to, the, to, to heaven that, you, that we can commune to God. You know, Paul says, I, I earnest to pray in tongues more than all of you. It's because there's that understanding of the language that we can actually get to see a, a, a deeper side of heaven, I think. We heard um, Adam speak on that a little bit about the fact that, that it's a gift that has been frightened. We've, we've, we've been frightened of it in the church, but it's no different to other aspects or other gifts that we see here. So just so we know, there's three elements. The fivefold is given, as we see in Ephesians 4, for the building up of the body. The motivational gifts are given to us in the beginning, and the manifestation gifts are given as temporarily needed for God to come. When we see Jesus pray for people to be healed and then go on to minister to them, that was because he's, he's showing the power of God and then he's expressing who he is. I can, send, I can send the slides out if you want them so they're more full, but I'll have to get Brando to put the bubbles on. When Jesus, when Jesus operated in, a, in the, gift of the, the manifestation gift of heaven, he did it to solidify what he was about to say about who God was. So when we come into a meeting and we see God move powerfully and we see people be healed, we see incredible things happen, and then someone gets up and they preach a simple word and people go, I, I want this. It's because the manifestation power of God has come on the meeting and then followed by the fact that God is, the, the preacher is expressing who God is, who, where that power came from. Does that make sense? So we need all, all aspects of these gifts. But what I want to say is that God has put stuff in you that you need to start to draw out and ask God to walk you into. A lot of the time we'll hear, guys, when, when we've done this series before, or we've talked about this, guys will go, can you tell me what gift I have? No, I can't. The reason for that is that it's something that you see over time. It's something that you start to see. The reason I can see what's on Dave's life is time I've spent with him and how I feel when I come away from time with Dave. The reason what I can see on Sean's life is time I've spent with Sean. And I can see what he operates in, in his day-to-day, -day, what naturally comes out of him. And what we want to do, Jess and I, as a church, and as we grow the leadership and as we grow the body in here, what we want to start to do is to pull those gifts out of people. And us too. When, when I go and sit with Paul, Paul pulls gift, the gift out of me. And he makes me work for it. When we sit and have a conversation, he's making me think through stuff because he wants to stretch me and grow me. That's what the church is for. That's why we come through these doors, to worship God. And when we, when we sit and we're discussing and fellowshipping with one another, we're pulling out the gold, we're pulling out the gift in each other so that when you go back out into the world, you have an ability to say, I know who I am and I know what God's given me in this. Is that okay? Final verse, two verses, final two verses, maybe. See how we go after the two verses. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 28. One Corinthians twelve twenty seven and twenty eight. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, 
then prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And these gifts have been given to the house. When you look at a church, especially I look at this house, I'm seeing guys, and if I'm not seeing you operating in, in parts of your, your gift, I'm like, man, I want you to be operating in that thing. And it's not a, for me, it's not a you should be because this house needs it. I want you to be operating in your gift because of what, what God's going to bring you into. This house needs all of our gifts operating. It does. I'm awful at administrating, but things fall through the cracks. That's why Josh laughs, because he always comes in to me and says, hey, this needs fixing. I'm like, oh, okay. We need those things in the house. That's why I say to guys, plug into a house and allow your gift to flow. Why? Because that house needs it, and because God has something for you greater. But when you are... When you are faithful with the little thing he's given you, he'll stretch it into something bigger. Do you think Billy Graham started like he did? No, Billy Graham would have gone and he would have been faithful with the small thing. He talked to his neighbor. Then he talked to his whole neighbor's family and then their neighbors and then the whole street and then the church. And then he grew, God grew the gift and the ability in him. The last verse, 1 Peter 4 verse 10 and 11. Having a hoot. I love it. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As each has received a gift, each of you have received a gift. This is speaking to all of us, myself included. As each of us have received a gift, we must use it to serve each other. As good stewards of God's varied grace, if you speak, speak as an oracle of God. So if you're going to speak to somebody, speak as if God was speaking to them. Use language as if God was speaking to them. Exalt them as if God was exalting them. Don't bring them down. Speak them as God is seeing them. Whoever serves, serve as one by the strength that God supplies. When you come in to church to serve and we're tired, it's the strength of God that allows us to continue to serve. It's the strength of God that wakes us up every day to read and understand, to come and to teach, to, to come in and, and make sure there's toilet paper. Those things, we lean on God for the strength of that. But this is the kicker. This is the thing we must not forget, and I'm going to finish with this. All of the gifts, everything that we see operating in this house is in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That everything, in everything, God is glorified through Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Why don't you stand and we'll pray and then go drink coffee and tell stories to one another.
Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for who you are, God. And I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Lord, I thank you for every person that's seated here this morning, Lord. And every person who couldn't be here this morning, Father. And every person who you're bringing here, Lord. God, I, I pray that you help us to see the gifts you've put in us. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. And God, help us to use those gifts to serve one another. That we can steward the incredible grace that you've given us. God, allow us to speak the way that you speak. Allow us to see each other the way that you see us, Father. And allow us to serve with your strength, God. Renew the strength of every person here to continue to serve you and your will. But God, above everything, we just glorify you through Jesus, through what you've done to allow us to continue to praise and worship you. God, we glorify you. To all this, be your glory. To everything we do in our life, Jesus, be your glory.